Snap goes high over the head of Big Ben, all the way back to the two, to the one, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown! Not a bad start. It's the gleam, man. There's a gleam. He's going for Landry down by the end zone. A tumbling catch for a touchdown. Touchdown, Nick Chubb. Mayfield's got the snap. Looks right, throws right, end zone. Touchdown. Anybody, it's the same old Browns. You, it's not the same old Browns. This is different. Hey, everyone. Welcome in. This is not the same old Browns podcast. I am your host, Andy Lytle. And holy smokes, this is episode 13. Time's flying. Uh, sorry to everyone for uh, no episode last week. Uh, we had some scheduling conflicts and a couple of other reasons, actually. But uh, we'll we'll get into that in a second. But uh, I do want to shout out uh, a couple weeks ago in episode 12, Ken Carmen from 92.3 The Fan. Dude, Ken, thank you so much for coming on with me, man. And and even though, you know, like I kind of felt bad that you were that you sat there for two hours with me. But at the same time, I think you like to talk and you lost track of time. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to complain about it, um, but <laughs> but Ken, I appreciate you, man. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I, I definitely appreciate all the uh, positive feedback about that episode. It was a total blast. Um, as far as everything going with the podcast, um, I can't talk about it yet, but there is a big announcement coming, hopefully even for next week's episode. I'm hoping that it all goes down by then. Um a lot of changes coming to the podcast, uh, a lot of changes to the future of this podcast, and it's all for the better. I can definitely tell you that. And to all you listeners, thank thanks to all of you, because none of what's happening right now with the future of this podcast would be would not be possible without you. So I truly, truly appreciate all the support, all the awesome feedback on Twitter, all the listens all the nice Apple podcast reviews that you guys have left the show. It truly means a lot and things are happening and I can't wait to fill in, fill in everyone. Uh, I'm personally excited about it and uh, we'll talk about it. Hopefully more next week. Definitely no later than two weeks from this episode. We'll be able to uh, announce it and talk about it. Uh, speaking of Apple podcast uh, reviews, we got another five star from uh, Cleveland Zach. Uh, he's at, at Cleveland Zach on Twitter. He says it's definitely not the same old Browns podcast. One of the best newer Browns podcast on the Cleveland podcast scene, full of laughs and hijinks, plus so much more shenanigans, maybe. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, either way, this podcast definitely needs to add. Definitely need to add this podcast to your podcast list. Zach, I appreciate you, brother. Uh, actually, I'm going on with Zach on his podcast on Thursday, actually. So that'll be good. Um but thank you, Zach. So today, you know, as you guys know, um, I'm I'm a solo host here, but I always have guests. Um, we had Ken Carmen two weeks ago. We'll, we'll eat your heart out, Ken Carmen. We we we've got some of the three of the sexiest faces you will find on Brown's Twitter. Uh, <laughs> three people that I I I definitely enjoy. I, I enjoy interacting with them, uh, talking Browns on Twitter. Uh, we've got. Uh, Honestly, one of the most beautiful dude. I love this guy because one, I think he's funny. 
And I think some people sometimes misunderstand him a little bit, but I get you, John. I get you. I just want you to know. And he is one of the most eligible bachelors on Cleveland Browns Twitter. So John Hillberry, thank you, sir, for coming in and joining me. How's it going, John? Great. Thanks for having me tonight. Yeah, my pleasure, dude. Thanks for coming on uh, at last minute and everything. I appreciate it. And then our other two guests, we have two more guests today. Uh, one is uh, the, actually they're, they're both hosts of the uh, the Barking Brown show. Uh, I was just on with them uh, a week or two ago. Uh, they're really good dudes. Uh, Jacob and Nick Carnes, Jacob Roach and Nick Carnes. Nick, you are the master of Brown's factual generic tweets, and you have made a Brown's Twitter career out of it. I am here for it. I will never give you shit for your tweets. You are you believe in the space bar. You believe in the tab drop <laughs> drop down key. You are I am a big fan of the tab key as well. What's going on, guys? Welcome in, man. Well, hello. Um, a shout out to you, by the way, for joining us. That was a fun episode. That was. Uh, I, you know what, this whole space bar thing, man, I, I don't know. I, I, hey, it, man, it, it's easier to read. It separates it's it. It's pleasing. It, yes. it makes it, it's very, it's, it helps you be concise. I love it. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what can I say? I, <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's so funny that you, <laughs> you bring that up because there's like this hashtag that I just learned about this weekend. Yeah. Hashtag I tweet like Carnes. Yeah. And. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I can fucking read what he said. You just wrote <laughs> one run-on sentence that had 37 words, 14 of which were misspelled, and he's the one that's fucked up? Come on. No, I mean, look, man, I, I, I would prefer him. Dude, I, spaces in between things make it easier to read. It's a fact. I mean, look, we, we could go like Bernie Kozar, the first five years he was on Twitter. He, I don't even think he real. I love Bernie. He's my childhood hero, but I don't think he knew the space bar was a thing. I don't think, he, <laughs> I don't think he, think he knew it existed. All his tweets had no spaces in between them. Like someone teach Bernie the goddamn space bar. <laughs> yes. Guys, I need all the help I can get when it comes to <laughs> literacy and so, like, I'm sorry that it's probably people like me is the reason that, um, you know, you know, that people think that they need to make tweets uh, for dummies because I'm the dummy. No, but Jacob, stop. <laughs> stop it. You're one. Of, you're you are one of the masterminds of the Barking Brown show, my friend. I mean, you're, you're not as good looking as John here, but there's you have something to shoot for. OK. We 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 all can't be John Hillary. We we can't. I love John. Good looking as John. I do. I do too. See, and I, I John, I've always got along with you, dude. I've always liked you. I've always thought you were funny. You you and I have very similar sense of humor. Um, like you're just. I think I've always called you the jolly satire man. I think that's what I've always because <laughs> you're always in a good mood. And you're funny, man. You got funny satire. You get it. You get it. You got a good sense of humor. So. I don't know, guys, what's um, I'm excited you guys are here because, guys, we have quite the treat for you today. We are <laughs> we're, we're going to go there on this show eventually. Um, we are going to rank. This is a special rankings episode. <laughs> we are going to rank all the Browns head coaches since 1999. Now, excluding interim coaches. So Terry Rubisky. 
you're a fine gent. Uh, Greg Williams, you spell your name with two G's, but you're not going to make this list. So we're excluding interim coaches. So it's 10 coaches since 1999. Uh, the first one being, which was Chris Palmer. And now we obviously have Kevin Stefanski. Um, this guys, uh, let me say, John, was this list hard to put together a little bit? <laughs> you know, it was pretty easy to put together like the clear cut, like favorites. Sure. But and then obviously the bottom of the list too, but like that middle of the pack, like from like three to like eight was just like, I was getting my heartstrings like pulled because I was like, well, they might've won like one game, you know? Right. Um, but, you know, it, it was fun. It was an interesting challenge. I didn't, I honestly thought that there was more coaches since. Uh, it feels that way. Actually, you know what? It's funny you said that because I was, I was like, damn, there's only been 10. It seems like 20. Right. Yeah. So yeah, but it, it was a fun exercise and um, you know, it's always fun to play the power ranking game. Absolutely. About Jacob, Mick, you guys, was it fun putting this list together? It's funny that John mentions three through eight, because I think three for, well, for me, it was four through eight because I had a clear number three. Sure. um, For personal reasons. Yes. But four through eight, I think are all the same guy, just wearing (laughs) different masks. I'm pretty sure it's like, it's like, did you see, did you see the things where people when uh, and, and I love Alex Van Pelt. I want to preface yeah. this and this sure. was not, this was not fair to Alex Van Pelt, but did you see the uh, memes when Van Pelt was hired, where it was actual, where his face slowly morphed into Freddie Kitchens? Oh Lord. Yeah. That's pretty, un- I wouldn't <laughs> wish that pain or curse on nobody, man. no, no. And no. I love Freddie the guy. Like, yeah. like oh, like, great human being, that. horrible coach. <laughs> what are you gonna do? You know, I mean, shit. Nick, <laughs> Nick, did was you have fun putting this list together, dude? You know what? I really did. Um, and and I think I, I've got someone near the bottom of my list that that beats out who I think is like the consensus worst mm-hmm. because I personally cannot stand this coach. And and so I'm really excited to to dive in because, you know, and it's crazy. You know what I was thinking about? It's like, so, so we've got 10 coaches. That's, that's a coach every two years. Yes. Every two years. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And we left two interns off here. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's fucking nuts, man. I, I, I know, I know, I know. And just so everyone, all the, all you, all you listeners, all you, Awesome, awesome listeners. So you guys are clear how we're doing this. What we did, since there's, we're all going to have the same group crop of, you know, field of names here, 10 names, 10 coaches since 1999. I had each one of these fine gentlemen send me their list. And then I did my list. And then using a point system of one through 10, I, I added them all up and made one master list. So we have one list here. And we're going to go, we're going to start at number 10 and because I want to feel the pain first, we're going to start at number 10 and then we'll each just kind of just bullshit about this coach and what happened when you were there. And yeah. Um, Oh, real quick before we get started too, I want to shout out it's pride month and uh, I want to shout out to every, if you're listening, you're part of the LBGTQ community, happy pride month. Just want you to know that you have an ally in me. I support your lifestyle. I support your choices. 
and I appreciate you. And I have a, I have a lot of uh, friends and family uh, in that community. So um, just want to wish a happy Pride, Pride Month to everyone. So, all right. Do you, yeah. Do you care? You care if I piggyback off that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do not hate you if you, I hate you if you're a piece of shit. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Not I, because you're, you know, like that is, it's not in my business. What the hell? It's not in my business. No. It's none of your business. What I do in my bedroom. You don't want to know. No, it does. Like, it, yeah. It, it people. What bothers me about that topic? Not, not not to dwell on it too much, but what bothers me about that pop topic are people who think that a person's lifestyle affects their life. It, like, stop pretending that it does. It doesn't. Let them it, live their life and let them be happy. God damn it. And shit. I promise they don't give a shit. About <laughs> they don't. Either. They don't. I, I promise. They don't. And, and and let me tell you something. Not every gay dude wants to fuck you, bro. I'm just I'm just gonna throw that out there. Not everyone. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's I'm glad you said it. <laughs> yes, it's very true. All right. So happy Pride Month. We got that out of the way. All right, guys. Well, shit. Let's uh, let's fire it up with number ten. So I'm gonna read off the name, and I'm gonna read uh, how many points they accumulated, <laughs> and then. Their record as Brown's coach at number 10. I, I actually agree with this one. Um, at number 10, we have Freddie kitchens who racked up a total of seven points between the four of us. He had a record of six and 10 in one season with the Browns. <sighs> Freddie. Yeah. Um, like you said, Jacob, really nice guy. I would love to go to the movie theater with him. I would love to have a beer with him. Uh, he was nowhere near ready to be a head coach. No, 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 no. Nowhere near. And it ultimately cost John Dorsey his job, uh, partly. Um, yeah, it, that 2019 season was one of the most frustrating seasons for me as a Browns fan that I can remember because of how much talent they truly had. They were not a 6-10 and 10 team. They were more like a 10-6 and six team. Uh, thoughts on Freddie Kitchens, whoever wants a job. We'll start with you, man. Number 10. What I don't know where you guys had him. I had Freddie number 10 on my list. Uh, well, I had Freddie actually number nine on my list. I didn't nice. think he was the worst. Um, but from a critical stand or uh, thinking standpoint, he was definitely the worst. Um, I kind of <laughs> knew it was over, uh, when he, you know, the fans were chanting run Nick Chubb it, when they were on the one yard line. Um, I think most of my frustration as a Browns fan in the 2019 season was watching the red zone woes, uh, oh. the, Fred, the Fred zone. Oh, um, the, the Rams game, Browns man, that Rams oh. game. Oh, it was just brutal. Oh. I mean, between that, uh, between the Cardinals game was another standout, terrible loss yes. where, you know, they were saying that Odell and Jarvis were like, come get me. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the sideline. Come get me um, away from this bumbling idiot. Yes, and, you know, I, I think ultimately, like when I knew it probably wasn't going to work out was probably um, I would say the 49ers Monday night football game mm -hmm. and the Browns just went out to uh, the Bay and they just got absolutely hammered. Yeah. Granted, yeah. I mean, the, the 49ers were the Super Bowl, you know, team that year. Sure. They had a really good thing going. But man, that was 2019 was brutal. They just look unprepared. All the, even game one that season against the Titans. What a shit show that was. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Uh, Jacob. 
Thoughts on Freddy at number 10. <laughs> so Freddy was my number 10. And the only reason I had Freddy, my dad, I talked to my dad the, uh, earlier today about this and it, mm. I was going over it with him and just to kind of get his thoughts on it as well. And uh, he said, he said, well, you know, why Freddy at 10, as opposed to like the other obvious choice in Hugh Jackson. And I said, I said, because at least Hughes one in 31 teams were garbage. Yes. Uh, like he, they still shouldn't have been one in 31. Yeah. But like, I would love to, you talk about the red zone defense in 2019 the fred zone as john put it (laughs) i love it i was at the uh browns bills game um that year yes and if you recall there was a sequence of uh five seven six plays seven plays from the one yard line into the end zone that was literally 50 feet in front of me I was staring right at it. The two pass interference calls, the inability to get a yard in almost double digit plays. Yes. John, you talk about that Arizona Cardinals game. Do you know what I did during that Arizona Cardinals game? I got so pissed that I got up, walked out of my house and I went and played Pokemon go. Cause that's what we <laughs> fucking do when Freddie kitchens <laughs> is coaching our football team. I watched an 0-16 campaign in a different country, and I still believe that was the worst campaign uh, of my lifetime. It was brutal. I have never seen a Browns team. Another thing that sticks out to me about that 2019 season, all the damn penalties. It was insane. Every game. 16 week one? Oh. Oh, yeah. 17 maybe it was 18 it's somewhere in there (laughs) hell of a time to be alive boys nick man freddie at number 10 so (laughs) so now i will admit now this is an upset on my list because freddie came in at number eight yeah gotcha but as i'm listening to both of to, to all three of you um i'm recalling I actually, I go to one away Browns game a year with a group of 10 friends. Sure. And we picked the Arizona game <laughs> to go to. And that was not, that was not a cheap affair. And we just sat there and Arizona fans are just, just like, uh, you know what, you know what, for, for, for a game that was never really close, they, they were not very friendly. I will. They had they, they had quite a day that day. I almost went to that game too, but I, that was if I remember incorrectly, that was later in the season, right? It was. It, it was, and I was so pissed off of what had transpired that year. I ended up not going. I was so bitter. I'm like, I'm watching this shit at home. I ain't fucking yeah. going to this damn game. You know, but but I, I just want to say to me. I really wanted to continue. Okay, so I'm a glass half full guy, admittedly, yeah. but there was a moment for me when when the Miles Garrett incident against the Steelers happens, and and the, the, at least the Browns won the game. But some somewhere that next week, the picture comes out of Freddie wearing the Pittsburgh started it shirt, and I'm just like, it was at that moment I realized I was like, this dude's a fan. Yep. He's a fan. <laughs> this is not a head coach of a football team. This is this is a dude who I'm going to go to the bar, have beer with, and talk about 
the the, the Browns yeah. bull, bullshit. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because when that initially happened, I'll admit I was more on the side of eh, is it really that big of a deal? But quickly after kind of really digesting it, yeah, that was really freaking stupid. That was really funny stuff. I guess uh, when I had Jake Burns on uh, in episode three or four, he mentioned that Freddie's first, well, actually would have been his only, <laughs> his first, uh, uh, I, it was at the, uh, I think it was, was it the senior, the bowl. senior bowl? Yeah, I think yeah. it was at the senior bowl. Yeah. And the first night there, I guess Freddie was just ripped drunk bad at one of the watering holes that everyone hangs out at and i guess it was really bad like that's you know like there's nothing wrong with kicking back a couple but your head coach first 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 time attending that event and the first night you're just fucking ripped you know ripped out of your gourd I, eh. wasn't he and maybe yeah. i'm wrong maybe it was hugh jackson Ugh. but wasn't he one of the head coaches of the senior bowl because of the record the year before might have been i can't remember i can't remember i i mean I but either way that's your first major function as a head coach yeah, yeah absolutely i i agree freddie was just not ready to be a head coach but uh he freddie congratulations you earned Number 10 on the not the same old Browns official Browns head coach ranking since 1999. Congrats to you, Frederick. Best of luck with the Giants. I hope I hope I see that's the thing. All these people on this list, I wish them the best. You know, yeah. like but best best of luck to you. At number nine, we have a doozy. Um <laughs> we might have to might have to watch the tape to really break down this guy. Oh, shit. Um at number Nine with eight points, he edged out Freddie Kitchens by only one point. At number nine with eight points and a three thirty-six and one record, it's Hugh Jackson, baby. <laughs> yeah, what a disaster that what this was. Um, I guess I'll give my thoughts and I'll kick it to you guys. Um, Hugh was terrible when he was here. Um. I do. Part of me does think Hugh was kind of set up to fail a little bit. Um, I definitely don't think he and Sashi Brown were a good mesh at all. That's that's abundantly clear. They both got fired, um, and they really, really, they got fired because they couldn't be successful together. Um, Hugh though brings a lot of shit on himself too, and he's done that since he's been gone as well. Um, like, I, I, like, I, again, I think he, like he was a really damn good offensive coordinator for the Bengals. That is undeniable. He was really good. He made AJ McCarron look pretty decent in a couple games. Um, do I think he's a terrible, awful head coach? I actually don't think that. Do I think he has a shitty personality for, structure in an organization as a head coach absolutely that's that's really this dude's problem at the end of the day he's actually probably could be a decent nfl head coach in the right situation um but i agree with this i think i want to say i had him number nine or number eight i think i actually had Hugh number eight so it's not too far off but uh, Nick, we'll start with you. I know you're a huge Hugh Jackson fan, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? And you, you said it about his personality, Andy. 
because so the, the, the this is my number 10 on my list mm-hmm. and and i'll tell you the thing i'll never forget uh for for forever is that when hugh jackson goes to the Bengals after he's fired and the browns play against the Bengals, mm-hmm. you could see that there was legitimate anger in their hearts against from demarius randall to baker mayfield both sides of the ball these the brown they were so I mean, I will never forget Demarius Randall handing him that ball. <laughs> Legend. And, and <laughs> what? It speaks how, volumes. You're right, Nick. It speaks volumes about how the players felt. How big of an asshole does this guy have to be that they are willing to showboat on their former head coach? Who <laughs> could, who is just, they should, I, I, I have no words for that. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Yeah, in the NFL, in the entire NFL, no. I've never seen anything like no. that. No, well, you probably never because it's just it's just not a common thing where your head coach gets fired and then he's on the sideline of a divisional rival who you're playing like a week or two later. It was bizarre. Like I get it. Like he wants to keep working and and like I, but you usually when a head coach gets fired midseason. They they take the rest of the, the 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 winter off the fall winter off they they go to Florida and golf and spend time with some family. No, Hugh wanted to get right back in it because yeah, I think he's an egomaniac and he wanted to stick it to the Browns. That's what I think, and that's I obviously that's what the players thought. Yeah, uh, Jacob uh, Hugh Jackson number nine baby. Yeah, Hugh Jackson baby. <laughs> he was my number nine, and yeah. that is that that is how I that's how I had it. Um, three thirty-six of, and one. <laughs> a couple of things that I hated the most about Hugh Jackson. I think I agree with you guys oh. that it it felt very much like it was the stuff that soured me more than anything has been the sense. Um, yeah, Marcus Spears, who I don't, I I'm up and down on what I think about Marcus Spears. Marcus Spears, because uh, ba- the Baker took shots at Hugh post firing yeah and everybody was like oh well he needs to go to what he can't keep working he needs to put food on his table <laughs> he's still getting paid up. by the Browns. he just got stuck i think this is the first year he's not getting paid to pl- coach for the browns and i was like wait you're gonna say it's okay that he went to a division rival because man needs to he's being paid million if if hugh doesn't have any money that's on hugh yeah. So I, I wanted to point that out, that that was like the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But Hugh's self-awareness, I thought my self-awareness was terrible. Hugh's self-awareness, my, I will, he went on this little like where he blocked everybody on Twitter a couple of months ago prior to the draft, because apparently he thought it was going to be fun, where people were like, Hugh, they, they had to trade Carlos Hyde so you'd play Nick Chubb. And he was like, that's not what happened. Hugh, <laughs> you that's what happened. <laughs> I I will never forget Pat McAfee after an episode of uh, Hard Knocks when remember Ooh. the uh, the Ooh. absolute big dick power play that he tried to pull on Todd Haley yeah and I, and it all had to do with Freddie Kitchens ironically who spoke <laughs> up that's the irony I just learned that like three weeks yeah, ago that coach who spoke up yeah we got to get him on the press that was Freddie <laughs> who at, uh, I believe was the running backs coach at that point yes I, I think yeah. And so he says, I drive the bus. We don't do that here. When I sit up here, I, we don't do that here. And Pat McAfee goes, you know what else you don't do there, Hugh? When? Yeah. 
You've won. He's up there saying this shit, and he's won a game. That's one more than I've won, sure. But yeah. one game. Yeah. I some things I, I do believe that 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 Hugh was maybe duped a little bit by Sashi about how extensive the rebuild was gonna be and more more specifically the strip down of the roster. Um I tend to because I don't know if Hugh takes that job if that's the case. You know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I think there might be a little truth there. But that still doesn't excuse you for being an egomaniac jackass half the time. So, John, Hugh Jackson, baby. One of your favorites, I know. Fuck that guy. <laughs> so, uh, my thoughts on Hugh Jackson. So, um, you know, like you said, Andy, going into, like, the situation after Mike Petton got fired, I mean, that roster got gutted. Yeah. And I remember they, they were trading anything and everything they could. If it wasn't nailed down at Brown's HQ, it was going towards a draft pick in 2016. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it was just it was just such a strange time to be a fan. Um, I still remember them winning that game against the Chargers. And, he, you know, he was out oh. in the middle of the field being, you know, lifted up by like, like Rocky, like, <laughs> like Rocky too. Like, yeah, you fucking did it. Like, congratulations. You won a fucking game on Christmas Eve. Um, you know, so <clears throat> it was just an odd time. And then, you know, I remember like 2017 and, you know, they were struggling a lot. And Josh Gordon, I think, came back from like his like 10th suspension. Yeah. And I remember it, I think it was against the Packers. He caught like his first touchdown in like five years. <laughs> and he pulled out like these like shades. Do you guys remember this? Yes. Like, the, like, yes. Shades. And then after that, like <laughs> obviously the Browns blew like a 21 to 7 lead. Um, because Deshaun Kaiser just kept throwing interception after interception. Yes, that was yes. a frustrating um, game. Yes, I remember that Brett game. Brett Hunley. Yeah, yeah. Yes. that game. Oh, God, God, what a what a <laughs> and you know, that's another thing, too. I mean, you know, the Browns never really drafted like Hugh, like a legitimate, like proven quarterback prospect. Yes. I mean, he was going out there with Cody Parkey and Deshaun Kaiser, who was seen as a project coming out of Notre sure. Dame. Mm -hmm. um yeah. so you know i i feel like hugh didn't really have the assets to work with when he was at the browns but it's not like he was playing with the little giants like no. he could be in a fucking game like if you're in the nfl you should not be posting three wins over three years no for sure and without without jamie meter blocking a freaking kick they literally go oh and 32 boys like yeah. prince of parma that, that that that's a thing Owen 32 would have been a reality if not for Jamie Meter. Can you freaking believe that? Lord have mercy. I, I, yeah. Can I, I just want to add one last, yeah, last Go for piece. it. Yeah. My favorite stat of all time to this day is that Nick Chubb is the only running back in NFL history to rush for over 100 yards on three or less carries. Against the Raiders, right? Against the Raiders. Yeah. I remember that game. The ball again. Not yeah. allowed. Not nope. gonna happen. Give it to yeah, Hyde and his three yards of carry. I remember that his rookie year, Hugh really eased Chubb in. Don't know why, but hey, whatever. Hugh's gone, and guess what? We're moving on to number eight. Now, this number eight coach, I had him number nine on my list. Nothing personal against the dude. Actually, seems like a really nice dude. However, 
he ran one of the worst Cleveland Browns offenses I have ever seen. It was so boring. They couldn't move the ball to save. They couldn't even get a freaking first down half the time. And they had more talent than than what was showing on the field. Not that they were like loaded with talent, but number eight with 12 points and a nine and 23 record. We have Pat Shermer. Um, this is one of the it's, it's crazy doing this list because I was it was bringing me back down memory lane of how many different regimes I was so frustrated under because um, they, they've all got their reasons for being frustrating. And this regime was such a fucking nightmare, too. You had you had Shermer and you had Tom Heckert, who I think could evaluate talent decently, actually. Um, it's not like he was blowing the doors off and he's, he's passed actually, sadly, that's terrible. But, uh, um, you had Mike Holmgren running the show as president and what a shit show that was. Yeah. Pat Shermer, I think is a fine offensive coordinator, but that dude is not a head coach. Um, so frustrating. The, the, the Colt McCoy years with him and the Brandon Whedon year or two with him, was so frustrating to be a Browns fan. It was it was terrible. The offense was just absolute garbage. Yeah, Pat Shermer coming in at number eight. I was never a fan of him. I, I was a fan of his press conferences, like battling and and I'm being genuine. And the Shermanisms were great. <laughs> and he was a handsome fella. I think he was on my list of sexiest Browns coaches. What is he, he was he not? A, he was on my yeah. list. He was a sexy son. He was he was cut man. He was good shape. Appreciate that. Um, but uh, <laughs> we'll start with you, Jacob. Number eight, Pat Shermer coming in hot with 12, 12 points, baby, for Pat. Are we sure that Mike Holmgren ever worked for the Browns? <laughs> oh, he like, hey, hey, he was there. He was with cast and a Hawaiian shirt and cigars. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. He had those Hawaiian shirts on. He just rode around in that golf cart and did not give a fuck. <laughs> what a bizarre um, time that was. I had Pat Shermer at seven um, only because I wasn't really sure where to put him. Yeah. Um, um, I used to do this podcast with my buddy, Isaac. Uh, He's a giants fan. And uh, I remember him the day they hired Pat Shermer. Oh Lord. And I spent 35 minutes trying to figure out how I could spin it to text him and be like, Hey man, he'll be better than Ben McAdoo. And I was like, I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I just don't, I don't, Pat Shermer's regime is so forgettable that I got nothing. I got nothing. It's, 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 it it was, I'm telling you guys, if you go back, if you were to go back and just watch like three of these games, oh my gosh, the offense was just, it was so stagnant. It was like watching paint dry. Poor Colt McCoy running for his fucking life. No weapon. Oh my God. And he, Cause what he came off of his last season with the Rams was what Nick Foles year when he yeah. was the, uh, yeah. the offensive coordinator over there. And then he was like, he came in and he was like, yeah, I'm going to be my own offensive coordinator. And that's when I knew. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, <but> and, poor, <laughs> and, and poor Colt McCoy. I mean, he don't fucker almost died by the hands of James Harrison. I don't think yeah. he's my that goodness. Guy still scares the fuck out of me. Have yeah. you seen James Harrison lately? <laughs> he's a scary dude, man. He's a scary dude. John, Pat Shermer at number eight, bud. Man, you know, 
you guys remember back in like 2009 when you would go to a Browns game in December and it would just be ice cold in the stands. You couldn't really feel anything. The, the grass looked a little gray and you just felt down. That's how I feel about Pat Shermer. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that those years feel like an eternity ago. They do. Um, and they were really, I mean, it was what, 20? 11 uh, and 12. Yeah, 12, 11, 12. Yeah, because yeah, 9 and 23 record. He almost... Poor bastard. He, uh, or no, he, he did get I, math, math is hard. Two full seasons. Yeah. <laughs> math is hard. I was like, I got fired the game before, but yeah. Um, you know, one thing I think that's really interesting about uh, Pat Shermer is, you know, you look at uh, the roster that the Browns were fielding in 2011 and 2012, and it's not like that they had a lack of talent. There's still some players on that was on that, those teams that are still, um, you know, viable in the NFL. Like I, I believe yeah. Travis Benjamin, uh, was a rookie his last year that he was uh, the head coach of the Browns. Um, you know, granted, he did get Colt McCoy murdered. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I remember in 2012 as well, the Browns drafted Brandon Whedon and yeah. um, Trent Richardson as well. So it's yeah. not like they were lacking talent as well as Josh Gordon, uh, his rookie year. So, I mean, they had yeah. Josh Gordon out there drinking and blazing it up and tearing it up on the field. So, um, you know, I just – with the Pat Shermer years, it just feels, it's almost like numbing. And I don't just know if that's just how I took it, but I mean, those were just some low point football games. It always felt like the Browns just like went out there and they just, they kind of uh, like mirrored the way that Pat Shermer presented himself, just very stoic, cold, and ultimately boring and losers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well put, Nick. Damn. Nick. So- Pat, you know what? And I'm not following and, and, that. And John, John summarizes it so well because see, he does. And I feel, and Andy, and I'm with you because Pat Shermer is my number nine on this list. Nice. Uh, uh, actually, below Freddie Kitchens for me mm-hmm. because Pat, Pat, I have never seen another coach that sucked the fun out of football more than Pat Shermer. But he was just being genuine, Nick. He, <laughs> I, he was battling. This was like the great era, aside from Josh Gordon, of the Browns not allowed, not being allowed to have a receiver over five foot ten inches tall. Yeah, we just we just drafted infinite guys that we're just like we don't need height, I guess. And and so then you know you've got Colt McCoy, and I have never seen an offensive coordinator slash head coach that it was better at calling five yard pass routes mm-hmm. on third and ten in my life. Mm-hmm. Every time you're yes. like, okay, it's third and 10. Where does the ball go? Five yards short of the stick. I know, dude. The, 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 they, the, those Shermer offenses on the Browns, I'm, you guys remember, I know you guys remember, they struggled, fuck the score, points and score touchdowns. They struggled to get first downs, for God's sakes. <sighs> I mean, like, even, even under Freddie Kitchens, who, who was above it for me, I mean, Nick Chubb almost wrote a ru- Nick Chubb almost won a rushing title. Yeah. Like, think, I know Nick Chubb's great, but think about how terrible you, I mean, how Freddie Kitchens couldn't, could, was drawing plays up in the dirt. <laughs> and, he, and his offenses were somehow better than Pat Shermer. Can I interject? I hate Pat Shermer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you have Nick Chubb, though. I mean, Trent Richardson, 
the hole would be wide open and Trent Richardson would run right into his lineman. <laughs> Hole is to the right, Trent, not the left. Poor Trent. Anybody could run through those holes, as the great Hugh Jackson would say. George, poor Trent. It was a. I think he was a physically a a a pretty gifted athlete, but man, his instincts and vision as a running back is what ultimately did his career in. Sadly, yeah, yeah. I've seen some of those still pictures of the holes over here and trends <laughs> going the fucking opposite direction what a shit and by the way the brand as much as i did not want johnny manzel i, I i've been on the record for years before we drafted him i want i don't want johnny don't want johnny don't want johnny if you wanted johnny it's fine but i just didn't but one draft pick pisses me off more than johnny honestly and that's brandy whedon i thought it was the dumbest fucking Take a, a, a 48-year-old quarterback in the first round. He, the I was going to say, was he 26? Yeah, something like that, dude. 26, 28. 28? He yeah. was 28. Yes. Ever. My age. And but like, he was I more mature. He was mature, and that was yeah. going to help him be successful. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, Pat Shermer, that was, that was a brutal era. Um, all right, coming in at number seven, who just edged out Pat Shermer with 13 points to Shermer's 12. At number seven, we have the Browns' first head coach when they came back in 1999. That is Chris Palmer with a 5-27 and 27 record. Um, yeah, this feels like a friggin' lifetime ago. My yeah. God, because it kind of is. Um shit when he his first year in coach i was actually i'll be 40 this year i was i was a junior in high school or no i was a senior yeah senior in high school his his first season as brown's head coach um yeah this is uh i don't know man it was an expansion team yeah uh he didn't have much talent dwight clark may got you know may he rest in peace he wasn't the greatest GM. A lot of a lot of his draft picks didn't work out. Sadly, um, I think the strategy to build the roster was not the greatest. Uh, they didn't protect Tim Couch. They didn't invest in offensive line. So it's kind of hard to judge Chris Palmer because of that. But at the end of the day, he hasn't had a. I don't. To my knowledge, he hasn't had a head coaching job in the NFL since. And he went five and twenty-seven. That's pretty shitty. <laughs> That's pretty bad, but he did have some pretty bad teams. Uh, uh, let's see, John, we'll kick this one off with you, bud. Wow. So when the Browns came back, I was six years old. Nice. Um, nice. Thanks for making me feel young. I love you. <laughs> so, you know, I, to be honest with you, I don't remember too much about him. Uh, you know, all I can really go off of is, you know, the terrible record <laughs> yeah. um, and, yeah. and the fact that, you know, you're working with an expansion team, like you're, you're picking players from other squads. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not going to be able to just gel it all together. It's not the Vegas golden Knights that no. are going to go right to the Stanley cup. You no. know, no. that was not going to happen. Um, but, you know, he, he was, you know, like how I was saying earlier, you know, he was one of the middle of the road kind of guys that I put on my list. Um, and looking at like his, his career after the Browns, it seems like he found, you know, some steady work with, you know, the Texans, the Cowboys and the Giants. Yeah. Cause he was and, a fine so, OC. I want to say he was yeah. an offensive coordinator for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think he was just ultimately just trying to do his best with what he was given. Yeah. And it's pretty accurate <laughs> with every expansion team, you know, outside of like the anomalies, like, um, 
you know, you're going to, you're going to not find success. No, definitely not. Definitely not. It was, I mean, again, it was, you know, those, those first two years that 99 and 2000 season, they were just, I mean, we were just honestly the time as someone who was older than at the time, um, we were just more excited. I think to have them back, you know, like the, the bitterness wasn't there yet. Like we, we, cause it, we just went through that freaking pain in 95. And I think when these first couple years after we came back, you know, we haven't, we, we didn't go through the pipe of shit that we've gone through since. So yeah, I, I don't, you know, it, it is what it is. Five and 27. What this? <laughs> Nick, Chris Palmer, man, give, give me uh, your thoughts on Chris Palmer. Do you remember, what do you remember much about that dude? So, so I was nine. Nice. Uh, when the, when the God, I'm old. All right. You're not old, Andy. <laughs> um, but I kind of, I kind of feel like, like John, where I, I can vividly recall my, fa- my family had a giant party to celebrate the Browns being back. Yes. And so, and, and so, you know, like you said, Andy, I feel like, um, there was just rose, rose-colored glasses. It was like we had football in Cleveland. Again. Yeah, that's I mean, that's what honestly that that softened the blow of those first two years. Yeah, it was frustrating to see your team suck, but it, it was more of, gosh, well, I'm just so glad that we have him back because we didn't know, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, how this was going to work when they first yeah. moved. Like, oh, shit. I mean, now the deal went down to agree with the NFL to that will be guaranteed a team by 1999. That didn't come too later after the Browns move. It was actually, I think in the spring or something like that. So, you know, we didn't have that, but still it was just exciting to have the Browns back. So Andy, maybe, maybe, you know, a little bit better than I do, but uh, a a bunch of my family members like, like to tell me that when Jacksonville came into the league, they were given more. Oh God. So this is true and and this is actually another defense of of chris palmer and actually the whole freaking browns organization from 99 2000 the browns were really really kind of screwed over by the nfl um really in reality they their first year should have been in 2000 uh they rushed everything they they just completely rushed it and yes jacksonville had a way sweeter deal than what the Browns got. And if you, I don't know if you guys remember, Jacksonville, I think, went to like the AFC title game or deep into they the did. playoffs. They like, did. and they're like second or third, third year in exist. I'm trying to, it was like late 90s, I think it was. Because yeah. if you guys remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but if, if, if I'm remembering, Jacksonville actually started off in the AFC Central with, with, yeah, with, with the did. Browns. They were in the same division as the Browns. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think they were, were they? Yeah, I want to say they yeah. were. I think yeah. they were. I think. You're, I so think. It's a long time first, ago. <laughs> their first year, they were four and twelve in the AFC Central. Mm-hmm. But then it, they went nine and seven, eleven and five, eleven and five. There and you 14 go. And two. There you 14 go. Fourteen and two in '99. They lost in the in the conference championship. Yeah. So there Was you go. That David Garrard. Do you remember David Garrard? I remember David Garrard. I forget. I don't who. know why. I'm not. Sure. No, that that would have been no. That that, that was the, no. Lefkowitz. Their quarterback was Mark Brunel. At that oh, point. it was wow. Brunel, and Brunel was good. Brunel was yeah. good. He was a good quarterback. Um, yeah, I want to say yeah, Brunel. I want to say those really those years that you just yeah. rambled off about good records and all that. Yeah, I want to say that was when Brunel was there. 
Because that was Coughlin, right? Because uh, Gerard and uh, yeah. uh, yeah, Byron left yeah, was uh, Jack Del Rio. Talk about a much better situation. Say we want about Tom Coughlin. He's kind of an old school, hard nosed kind of dude, but he's fucking great. He was a great NFL head coach. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, uh, what do you what do you remember much about Chris Palmer? I, I Chris Palmer was a scapegoat. I mean, yeah, kind of. You had to, you kind of had to have one. Um, I. I feel bad for Tim. I always feel bad for Tim Couch. Like I'll always Me feel too. bad for Tim Couch. Him and uh, David Carr as well, who almost died in Houston. <laughs> yeah. um, Would he get sacked like ninety times as rookie oh, year? Oh, some something ridiculous. Like something ridiculous. Chris Palmer, like, not. I. I mean, I get it. There's only thirty-two of these jobs in the world, and at the time there was what thirty-one because Houston became thirty-two. Yeah. Uh, that had to be like kudos to you for taking on that reclamation project. So to true. speak, um, true accepting the challenge. I just, I, yeah. I mean, like you said, they got the Cleveland got the raw into the deal. They didn't get Jacksonville's situation. And I mean, he was just, to me, he was a scapegoat. Uh, he, he did what you had to do and uh, he paved the way for, uh, you know, yeah. And I don't want to talk bad on Dwight Clark. I mean, the, the poor man has passed uh, with some really sad uh, condition that he had. And, you know, he was a, by all accounts, a really sweet guy and a hell of a football player. But man, he was, he was not, he did not do very well in his tenure as the Browns GM. Yeah. He, he really did not. And, and the biggest mistake he made, going back to what you said about Couch, was, they just didn't invest in the O-line, man. They didn't protect their – you take a quarterback number one overall, it's cool, all right, but you got to protect him now, you know? You know, so, yeah, shit, God. All right, we're getting in – see, I want to say we're getting into the good ones, but not really. <laughs> At some point, you think we Ender. get – can we get Ender. to a coach with a winning record on this? Oh, there's only one. Oh, fuck. Um <laughs> It yeah. took a long time to get now, to a coach. I will like- say, I know, it t- it's going to take a while for us to get to that one. Um, so the first four that we've mentioned, Freddie Kitchens had seven points. Hugh Jackson had eight points. Shermer had 12 points. Chris Palmer had 13. The next coach at no- coming in at number six had 22. So we had a little jump here. We had, a, okay. we had a little jump. He is number he is number six with 22 points and a four and twelve career record. Yeah, Rob Chazinski, better known as Chud, Northeast Ohio native. Rob Chazinski. Um, out of a lot of Browns coaches and Browns general managers, I do feel have gotten somewhat raw deals in their situations that they've been in with this organization over the years. Probably none uh, none more than this gentleman, Rob Jasinski. I don't know what the hell that you see at this. I don't know what you wanted him to do at this point in time. I mean, this was, this was some really, really frustrating Browns football that we were in the middle of here. Um, the years that, preceded it and obviously the chud year which was not good um yeah i always felt bad for chud seemed like a really good dude he hasn't had a head coaching job since um by all accounts was always been a a very 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 solid uh offensive coordinator he had some good years i think it was with indy before us i want to say with the colts he Um, went to indy after he went to indy after okay Mm -hmm. um who was he with before 
when we hired him. I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. God, it's I'm telling you guys, it's all a fucking blur. It's <laughs> all these Carolina. Carolina. Thank you. Yes, it was Carolina. That's correct. It was. He had yeah. previously, he was also the head coach or the offensive coordinator of the or 10 win 2008. Yes, um, he was. He hundred percent was. Yeah. I always dug Chud. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I can't even, I didn't, for me, it's, this was the hardest one to rank because at the end of the day, he still has a shitty record of four and 12, but there's no, you can't deny that this dude got a raw deal, but I also can't say without, you know, I can't say unequivocally like, oh God, he would have been a great head coach. I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. If anything, he saved himself a lot of fucking more stress and more just people piling on of how shitty he is by just only doing one year and being the scapegoat who got screwed over. So yeah, Nick, what do you remember about the Chud years, man? Or Chud year, I should say. <laughs> year singular. This was this was super weird to me at the time because if you remember the brown so despite the fact that the browns were four and 12 they had a a significant amount of pro bowlers yeah that year they did uh i think joe thomas alex mack jordan yep. cameron uh yep. joe hayden was on that team yep tj ward they had talent one and, more and, yeah um, one more who, who else one was more. on who, who, who you got jacob Josh Gordon. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. He led the league. Was that his year that he led? Well, the league yeah, because, league? yeah, because his best year was under Norv Turner, I believe when, because Nor Norton was, yeah. Cause Norv Turner was the OC for the yes. Chazinski year. Right. Yep. And that was the year that Gordon had the big year. That was yep. the big year was under Turner and Chuck in 14 games. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that was the weirdest part to me, and I know the Browns go four and twelve, but they had been starved for talent for so long that that you finally saw okay, this Browns team definitely has players on it. So yes, their record was terrible this year under Chud, but but they could they could build on this. There's some talent here. That, yeah, you know, because because that's when that's when they couldn't find anyone, they couldn't sure. draft anyone. Yeah, and so so I was really I remember being really surprised when they when they fired Chud. Just because I, I thought, you know, at least they could they could like regroup. They have players and maybe they'd be better. But, you know, yeah. obviously that didn't happen um, that year by far. I, I think that year the most because because it's kind of like you said, Andy, like I thought Chud was a likable guy. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah. And, he and dog so, biscuits as a kid. How bad could he be? Yeah, right. So <laughs> um I just I never built up that that animosity towards him. No, I have none toward him. Zero. And, and, and so this this whole whole year is a real blur to me. It um, is. <laughs> I, I was really I, you know what I it was really blends. surprised they pulled the plug as fast as they did. Well, I, and you guys are triggering my memory because if you remember, this was the Banner Joe Banner and Mike Lombardi. Yeah, and. From what I've heard, like, isn't it, they fired, they thought they were going to get Jim Harbaugh. Is, am I remembering this correctly? I think so, yeah. They thought they were going to get so. Jim Harbaugh or Chip Kelly. They thought they were going to get some of those guys. And then they end up with their fucking seventh choice in that search because they fired a guy. Because so, this Chud firing came out of nowhere. 
Like, yeah, I remember when it happened. It was like, what? What are we doing? Like, it's, you know, because we were trying to build build stability. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Who who hasn't chimed in on this yet? I started with Nick, right? Yeah, Jacob, Mm -hmm. go ahead. Yeah, then John, we'll get to you after that. So the thing about the Chud year, and I'm looking at it so that I remembered. Yeah, I'm glad. Thank you for looking that shit up. I'm too lazy to pull it up. I think 2014 was actually Josh Gordon's year that he led the league because that was um, with Petten and uh, Jason Campbell and Brian Hoyer. So I think it was the year after that. But the Chud year blew me away because look at these losses. They lose to Baltimore 14 to six. That's a one score game. They lose to Kansas City 23 to 17, a one score game. They lose to Jacksonville 32 to 28. The next week they lose to a game that they were absolutely fucked by the refs when they lost to New England 27 to 26. And that was a little fucking shit. That was a freaking screw job. I remember that. Then they lose by seven to the Chicago. There's three straight, you know, games where they only lost by 11 points total. And, and of course, then they lose uh, by a couple scores to the Jets and the, and the Steelers. Like you have, was that like four or five, one score games? Like, I just remember that Chud was, I believe Chud's year was the year that he called that fake punt and Reggie Hodges ran for like 60 yards straight up the gut. But Chud, like, seriously, like, same with that was Mangini. Wasn't that Mangini? I could be wrong. Oh, it might have been. I can't remember. I'm telling you guys, my memory is usually pretty good. But this pile of fucking shit just blurs together. <laughs> it does. It's crazy. And and Gordon's big year was in 2013, and that was okay. That was Chud's year, right? Yeah, 2013. Yeah, yeah. he had 87 catches for 1646 yards and nine touchdowns, and it was because he was playing for an offensive coordinator and knew how to give him the fucking ball. And that's North Carolina. And and it was. I don't know, man. I really just, <laughs> I think that was the year. So I was in, I was in the, my, my national guard unit was st- stationed in Cincinnati and uh, I, it was either that year or the next year. I actually got to hold the, uh, the, 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 I was part of the people holding the flag on the field for the national anthem. Yep. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Uh, for Cleveland. Um, Thank you for your service, brother. Of course. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Right. But like, yeah. and I, I got to see Norv Turner. That was cool. Um, so it must've been that year. Cause I saw Norv Turner. I got to see Devon Bess, who was the only person that was close to me in size. Yeah. Um, is that and the I, guy I, who wigged out at the airport or something? Yeah, he is. Yeah. I got to shake Drew yeah. Thomas's hand. That's the biggest height of my, of my, uh, fandom, but like Chud was fucked, man. Like yeah. same with Mike Putton, uh, Chud and I, I understand because what Lombardi and Banner were out that year too, right? True. Like, yeah. And, and it's hard if you bring in a new general manager, why you shouldn't have kept Hugh Jackson with John Dorsey. Um, when you bring in a new head ma- general manager to pair with a head coach, it's just crazy. But like, sure. Chud of all these guys that are in our middle tier, mm-hmm. even though the top tier other than number one, sucks, yeah. he just got the raw end of the deal. No, That's, he did. I agree. 100%. He, he did. I mean, he never got a fair shake. I think that's obvious. I mean, you get one season with no quarterback, essentially. Uh, John, Chud. <laughs> so, the one thing that I will always remember when uh, Chudzinski got hired was 
everybody was like, the Browns got their hometown guy. Yep. And he was from fucking Toledo. That's a a Detroit. That's a Detroiter or whatever the, the, the appropriate term is that that's fucking little Detroit up there. Yes. Um, so I think Nick said it best. Um, you know, the Browns had, they were so deprived of talent after Pat Shermer and his stoic ass offense was on the field for like two straight years. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the Browns had a lot of great talent. I, you know, they had six pro bowlers. They had the makings of that offensive line. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, that you know that they built on when Mike Pettin was here. They had Joe Thomas. They had sure. Mitchell, They had Alex Mack. Absolutely. Um, and you know, ultimately, I think what did you know Chudzinski in? I think that you know maybe they would have had a better running game and, and better quarterback play. I think he probably could have won a little bit more games. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I I'm looking at the running back list right now, and I'm seeing like Fozzie Whitaker, and like. <laughs> Chris oh, Obanaya. And, and Chris Obanaya. Wow. wow. Like, I thought he was going to be legendary. I thought because he went with he went to Texas with Colt McCoy. Yes. Chris Ogan. Oh my god. Yeah. Chris Obanaya. Oh, oh. hope he's hope you're doing well, Chris. No offense, but man, those are just like some of the na- Fozzie freaking Whitaker, bro. Yeah. Oh it's my just, God, Chris! I, I'll steal your girl, Ogunaya. My goodness, it was just you know. <sighs> I mean, they had Tank Carter on, on linebacker. I remember everybody was obsessed with Tank fucking Carter. Oh yeah. Um, Paul. There's Kruger. a fucking name. Oh, yes. one of the one of the worst free agent signings since 1999. Quell Jackson, Cleveland Browns legend. Yep, I actually um, liked the Quell. He was alright. I was like good. I like the Quell too. Yeah. He was a good football player, good leader. It was just a very strange time. It was, it was. And, man, the times wow. will continue to get stranger as we move on to number four. Um, this coach has, so far, actually, he is tied for second for most wins of any Browns head. Or no, no, he is tied for first. I'm sorry. Tied for first. First. For most wins as a Browns head coach since 1999. Um, or no, fuck, I jumped too high. I'm sorry. No, number yeah, five. I was like, we're not at four. No, <laughs> no, yeah, my bad. Number five. Oh, God, I'm butchering this already. Number five coming in at 23 points. He edged out Chud by one point. Chud had 22. Uh, number 20 or number five with 23 points, 10 and 22 record. That's going to be Eric Mangini. Um, um, I'll just say this about Eric Mangini. I think he's actually a pretty decent NFL head coach. I do. However, he should have never, ever had any say-so whatsoever on player acquisitions, on drafting, on any of that. They never got him a legit general manager by his side to, you know, to pick the players and do that kind of thing. Um, they had one GM that lasted eight months, but the guy decided to uh, allegedly piss all over the walls and shit everywhere in the uh, area of Bria. So I, I, I don't, I do, allegedly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Mangini, I don't know, man. He he had a fascination with with slow white linebackers. I, I don't know, man. I've never, I've never. It, it, it was just bizarre. I, I don't know. I was. I think at the end of the day, 
he's a decent NFL head coach. I really do. He had some really good years with the Jets, and he won some big games for the Jets. He beat, he beat Bill a couple times in some pretty big games. Um, but yeah, I you know, ten and twenty two record. Uh, last year was with Holmgren. He shouldn't even had that year. It made no sense. It just didn't make sense. Then we just got fucking Pat Shermer after him. Uh, yeah, number five, Eric Mangini. Uh, John, we'll start with you this time. <laughs> so, you know, Eric Mangini kind of gave me some of my best memories uh, as a Browns fan. I could see up. that. Um, you know, one thing that sticks out for me is when the Browns finally beat the Steelers on Thursday night football, mm-hmm. uh, 13 to six. Yep. And I remember this game because this game, we literally didn't have a fucking quarterback anymore. So like Josh Gordon was just in the wildcat formation, every single snap. <laughs> and somehow the Browns or cribs. Away. You mean, was it cribs? Or yeah. cribs? Who did I say? Did, did I you say, say Josh, Josh Gordon? Gordon? Yeah. Cribs. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. I think I'm on that shit. Josh Gordon got banned for. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Josh cribs, uh, he was just running all over them and i remember this game was just like it was like freezing temperatures like the browns were just like dead in the water i think they were like one and 11 going into that game yep and they ripped like a four win win streak after that which got them another year with holmgren yes right and you know like they i remember because after that they went to uh they went to arrowhead they played the chiefs and the um i remember that game because there was like five like return touchdowns for like from punts and kickoffs and then like who was it uh was it wasn't jamal lewis it was jerome no. harrison, or harrison yeah jerome harrison i didn't he like break the nfl record yeah, for most for rushing like, he ran in for like 300 yards that game um it was the man genie era was so bizarre because did, didn't we also have, like, a really big win at New England? Like, we blew we them did. out by, like, two scores or some we shit? Did. Didn't Peyton Hillis run, like, wild or something? Am I is it, was that it? Again, it all blurs together. It all I of believe, it. I believe he blew out New England and New Orleans that year. He did. I think in back-to-back weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes. And I think the New Orleans game was wasn't that the Reggie Hodge fake yes, punt? Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah. See, it's impossible. I'm sorry if you're out there, and I know you. There's a lot of Browns fans are incredible. There is a lot of Browns fans that can remember every little detail of the last 20 years. I honestly can't because of all the turnaround that we've had. I it's yeah. I can't put it all together. <laughs> just I just you, you know what, Andy, we'll go to you, Dick. <laughs> I just you you mentioned Peyton Hillis. We got that guy in the cover of Madden. Yes, we, we did. did. We're incredible, man. <laughs> you know, to only get strep throat and never play in the NFL oh, again. Fuck. Really, go join the CIA or whatever. That guy. What well, I mean, he's bad. He's, he's well, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He like he like uh, very briefly joined Brown's Twitter. I think it was like gonna do a podcast with sir yacht or something i i, I that that's yeah that's a little foggy for me but he was i remember seeing his stuff for yeah. a little bit he's trying um, to right. seem like he was trying to get back into the limelight i don't blame him might as well yeah sure make a, make a buck bro make a buck fuck it i mean did, he, did you enjoy the mangini years nick yeah you, you know what <laughs> 
<laughs> what kind of dumb question is that? You didn't enjoy any of these years except for the last one, the last freaking calendar year. What am I talking about? Anyway. So I, ju- I just want to say I they rattled off that winning streak at the end of the year. And I like I, I took the Kool-Aid and I just doused myself in it. I yeah. was like, man, genius. Everything is great. It's going to be fantastic. It, w- it was not. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, bad draft picks during the Mangini years, like Rubisky and Muhammad Massaquan the second. Oh. That didn't work out. I think they took yeah. David Vicune that year, too. It was bad. And it was true, man. I think Doug Deacon, I, Doug, I'm, Doug, I heard once on a show before Doug Deacon talking about he just liked, he never seen so many white linebackers on a roster in his life than during the Manchini years. It's so funny. Oh my God. Jacob, real quick, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up Manchini for us and we'll get on another Dude, four. do you remember the, what Bleacher Report dubbed the worst win ever? It was it was Mangini's win. It was six to three. <laughs> I want to tell you some stuff about that. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. First off, I drank the Kool Aid when Mangini was hired. I was like, yeah. "Man, genius! Let's fucking get it!" Yeah, boy. Randy Lerner really trusted Mangini and really liked him. Yes. So, it, the the six to three win against the Buffalo Bills in what was a snow game. Um, yeah, Buffalo built. It was a total snow game. I was actually back in Ohio for that game. That was uh, that was actually Man Genius's first win. Yep, that, that was his first win. Um, let me tell you something uh, about this game. If I can freaking find it, because I remember <laughs> I just, it was an ugly Eric, game. It was a blizzard, man. My boy Da was the quarterback. He went for he went two for seventeen <laughs> for twenty three yards. And an interception. It was just his second start. Because if you remember, Mangini started Quinn to start the year. Yes. Oh, he, God. He benched him for DA. Um, the, the Jamal Lewis had 117 yards on, on uh, 31 carries. Two of 17 for 23 yards. It's a hell of a time to be alive. I remember that game. That, that weather was it's, – it's probably the snowiest Browns game I've ever watched. 56-yard field goal in the final moments from from Phil the man. What a fucking beast he was. Oh, my goodness. Eric Mangini. John, I started with you on Mangini, didn't I? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Okay. Well, let's move on. Number four, who is tied for most wins as Browns head coach since 1999 with a 24-40 and record? Coming in at 28 points is... At number four, Rome, <laughs> Romeo Cronell. Um, one thing I remember about this dude the most, two things. One, he just seemed like a really sweet dude that would be cool if he was my grandfather. Um, just seemed like a sweet guy in the press conferences. Super sweet dude. And he actually took us to a 10-6 and six record one year. Uh, didn't make the playoffs. Um, and I think he had a decent... GM at that point too, uh, Phil Savage, who I think is one of the better Browns GMs since we've been back. I'm not saying much, but it's true. Um, yeah, Romeo, I don't know. Uh, he's he's never he, he interned for what the Chiefs as their head coach one year when someone got fired. I think 
I want to say. Haley. Yeah. He was the interim coach after. Yeah. Todd Haley and and th- then he was just interim for Houston as well, I believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he was yeah. when O'Brien got hurt. So, yeah, I think, I think, uh, you know, always been a hell of a defensive coordinator. Just, you know, probably just, you know, some people just aren't head coaches or just don't get the right opportunities. And I, I think that's kind of what happened to Romeo. No ill will towards Romeo. He did the best he could. Um, the ownership was, didn't really even want to own the team at this time. <laughs> was trying to get, you know, poor Randy learners just trying to unload the squad. So yeah. Yeah. Romeo coming at number four, Jacob, we'll start with you, man. Romeo Cornell. Do you, do you want to know the, and I've, I've known this since he was the head coach. You want to know the most obscure Romeo Cornell fact that I know? Sure. He has a sister named Juliet. That's pretty cool. That makes sense now. I think they might be twins. That's pretty cool. Romeo and Juliet. I looked it up to, I looked it up to confirm that. I always thought that was weird. Dude, I will always, like, my senior year of high school uh, was 10, they were 10 and 6. That was mm-hmm. the uh, 10 and 6 campaign. Um, Fun year. Fun year. Yeah. A lot of talent. Uh, Derek Anderson threw 29 touchdowns and 19 interceptions. Yeah. Um, uh, didn't Jamal Lewis, that game against, uh, Sensi, the first game where they like it was like 51 to 45 that they yeah. won and of course they played they could have gone to the playoffs uh at the end playing Sensi and uh Derek Anderson through four interceptions yeah he did um, not play well uh Braylon Edwards and Kellen Winslow Jr. both had excellent seasons uh in the year thousand yards yeah yeah I think uh, Braylon had like 15 or 16 touchdowns that year I uh owned a orange Braylon Edwards jersey and a brown Kellen Winslow jersey they really yeah. aged well no um it was fun well it was fun Braylon's doing a lot better than Kellen that's for sure I just remember that when Braylon Edwards was first traded to the Jets like everybody on ESPN was in love with him there was that Monday night where he caught like two touchdowns right after he gets traded and everybody's like he's so good how did they only give up a fifth round pick and I was like just wait (laughs) just wait and it it happened it it happens I, I believe he was traded to Eric Mangini's Jets. If, if, if I have my timeline correct, mm-hmm. I loved Romeo Cornell. He gets an extension and then gets fired the next year. Yeah. Um, I'll like be honest. Said, I thought they like pulled the plug on this regime a year too early. And Phil Savage included in that. I um, like Phil Savage a lot. I did. Uh, he didn't value yeah. draft picks, I think, as much as a t- today's general manager does. Like, he traded, like, I want to say what was the third rounder for Corey Williams, which was a defense alignment. I want to say he gave a second rounder for that uh, defense alignment from Detroit. What the, it was, it was the second for Corey Williams and the third, third for Sean Ross. That's what I had. I had him switched. Yeah. Second for Corey. Yeah. So like, and they were fine players. Sean Rogers didn't really work out in Cleveland. Corey Cole, uh, Corey, Corey Williams, right? Yeah. Corey, Corey Cole. Yeah. yeah. Corey Williams was a fine player, but it's not like, you know, but I, I Savage was was the lead. I thought was the least of our problems. At yes. That time. Oh I man, a lot of them were Derek Anderson. Yes, John, John Romeo, baby, one Romeo to another Romeo, Mister Hillbury. Romeo, Let's oh go. Romeo, where out thou, Romeo? Yes. Um. So first off, Romeo Cornell gave me a taste of what a pandemic was like. 
when the Browns had the staff infection pandemic. Oh, shit. Uh, you guys remember that when like everybody oh. on the team had like staff? Yeah. Uh, like suing the team. Like, yeah, they, they pretty much, pretty much ended Joe Trevicious's career, man. That was just, it's bad times, but it, it prepped me for 2020. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, going in, you know, when I think back on Romeo Cornell's teams, I mean, I was like 13, 14 years old when, you know, the Browns, you know, were underneath him. And I remember, you know, just, you know, there was like a sense of stability. Like he was the head coach for like four years, but it felt like like 10 years. Yes. Um, yes. And ultimately the 2007 Browns gave me my only winning record that I had ever seen up until this past season. Right. Um, and so I was chasing that high for like 14 years, you know, of just seeing a competent football. Um, but, you know, ultimately I feel like the quarterback controversies uh, at the time really did him in between flipping between Charlie Fry and Derek Anderson and Brady Quinn. I remember, I, I think Brady Quinn got drafted in 2007 and I remember it was just constant back and forth, like in the media. Sure. Oh, Derek Anderson should start this week. No, Brady Quinn should. Um, and it was just, it was an interesting time. I mean, Brady Quinn came into a city that already had Grady Sizemore in it. So like the female Browns fans were just absolutely loving like every minute of it. But, um, you know, I think ultimately just what did Romeo in was just like his lack of ability to, you know, just put a winner out on the field. I mean, he, he was like four and 12, four and 12 and six and 10. Yeah. And then he had that 10 and six season. Yeah. So, yep. And I mean, he got, you know, he, he coached 64 games as, as, as the Browns head coach. That's a, honestly, yeah. it's crazy. That sounds like a lot for a Browns coach the last 20 years. Cause it is. Cause actually he coached more games than he has coached more games than any Browns coach since 1999. Wow. He has 64. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> so you, you touched on something, Andy and, and John too, that, that, you know, Romeo, Romeo was here for a long time. And as a young and naive Browns fan, when the Browns hire Romeo Cornell, I'm like, he's from the Patriots. We've got the Bill Belichick tree. Yeah. We're going to play this defense. Yeah. And it's going to be. I like this hire at the time. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. No, this was, this was the, this was the beginning. I feel like uh, he was, Romeo was one of, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, Romeo was one of the first Bill Belichick offshoots like disciples that gets a head coaching job. One of the, yeah. One, one of the early ones for sure. One of the earlier ones. Yeah. I would say, yeah, I'm trying to and think. So I was convinced I'm, I'm like, he's bringing, he's bringing new England. This is going to be in Cleveland and right. everything's going to be great. Um, and I think, I think that cachet at the time um, is part of why he got so many games. Sure. Um, and, and you know what? It's funny because, because I really, you know, despite the, the fact that the Browns struggled like they did, I never like Romeo was a professional. He was. He, he he seemed like he knew he knew what he was doing. It just it just never it never amounted to wins. No, you know, just like John said. Yeah. And, and so I, the, the franchise, I, you know, what? maybe they did pull the plug a year too early, but that it's a long time that they that they gave him to be successful and it just it just didn't come together no it didn't and you know and some like i said sometimes in the 
Got to find it's hard, man. It's hard to win in the NFL. <laughs> it ain't easy. It really, it's got to be the right situation for whether that's a, a head coach, a quarterback, a general manager. A lot of times it's got to be the right situation. And I think, uh, I, I, I do wish Romeo would have gotten another head because he hasn't been hired as a head coach since, right? Am I misremembering that? He, after he was the interim at, Kansas City he had he became the full-time head coach for one year but they went four and 12 that's right that you're right okay that's what I was remembering that's right so it it didn't last there either so but hey but here we are at number three so this is this is the part where I didn't really agree with our list I would have three and two flipped here personally but I we I can't argue the 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 group has spoken at number three with 32 points and a 24 and 35 record tied for most wins of any Browns head coach since 1999 at number three, we have Butch Davis. Um, I had him number two. I think he is a slam dunk. Number two. He just couldn't draft players. That's why that's what that's again, a, a coach similar to Mangini um, who shouldn't have been, Picking the players in the draft, period. Get this guy a, a freaking general manager, and I think he could have done some done a lot of good things or more good things or some more good things. Jesus. Um, when I mean, It got to the point where Butch was just too much on his plate. The dude was having panic attacks on the freaking sidelines. But I will say he is the... Other than Kevin Stefanski, he is the only Browns coach since 99 to take him to the playoffs. Uh, and they should have won that damn game against the Steelers. I, oh, my goodness. Um, so at Butch Davis, number three, I always enjoyed Butch. Again, I, I, I think he's one of those people. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm just guessing. But I think he's just one of those dudes that maybe have this a little bit of an ego thing or control ego thing, kind of like what John, John Dorsey had. I, I kind of compare it to that. Um, Cause at the end of the day, I think the guy was a, was a fine NFL head coach. I do. Uh, he's had success in college since. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Nick Butch Davis, number three. So, so to me, I just think, you know, coming off of, of Chris Palmer, and coming off of the Browns coming back into the league. I, I just remember that that as a young Browns fan, you know, people told me Butch Davis is gonna is gonna change the Browns. Butch Davis is gonna bring the Browns back to the to the eighties, to to the competitive glory yeah, days. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so and so I think that was a period of, of new hope. Yeah, and like you said, Andy, that the Browns made the playoffs, um, despite that that painful, you know what? Now right it. In, in my in my brain yep, absolutely um and so despite the fact that that it didn't you know it obviously it ended poorly i i was excited as as a young browns fan because because it just coming off of where they came from and actually making the playoffs despite the fact that they lost it was like okay you know it, we're, we're becoming a legitimate team again yeah absolutely no i know it, it's i know it, Butch and Kevin Stefanski are the only coaches since 1999 to give us that feeling of Browns in the playoffs. It's, it's fuck. Jacob, Butch Davis. Butch Davis. um, Yeah, he was like, 
I that's one of my some of my first memories are Kelly Holcomb in the playoffs, right? Yeah. So in that Pittsburgh game, you yeah. know, I was when this guy was winning with Kelly Holcomb for God's sakes. No, nothing against Kelly. Fine, but is he a, was he a franchise quarterback? No, did he play well when when he had opportunities? Sure, he's all right in Buffalo afterwards. Yeah, um, he's fine. He, I like Butch Davis. Now we're not sure what was going on behind the scenes. You know, there was some shady stuff going on in Miami, some shady stuff going on in North Carolina. Uh, yeah. Afterwards, the recruiting scandals. Butch Davis knew how to coach. I, I, I'm with you. If he gets a real GM. Mm-hmm. So that I think he's okay at evaluating talent, but like you said, him weighing in on the decisions, not yeah. making the decisions, correct, and the best thing. For and him. he was making the decisions, and it showed. Yeah. His drafts were fucking terrible. I mean, if, he, he once moved up. I forget. I want to say it was he moved up from number seven to number six or number eight to number seven, and gave up a second round pick to move up one spot. That shit would get you fired in a heartbeat today. And it in was to take Kellen Winslow. If I'm remembering correctly, he moved up one spot and gave up a second round pick. I mean, that's a fifth rounder at best. That's the value there. Yeah. It's insane. You get him a GM and let him have one more year. Maybe he coaches six, seven years. Yeah. You never know. We'll never know. I, I, I agree with the, the difference between Butch being three or two, I had him at three, but you can easily make your case for two. Sure. And, and, and I'll make my case for two when we get there. But yeah, I, I like Butch Davis. Absolutely. John. Um, You know, I remember, so one of my biggest memories when I was a kid was every Sunday I would go out up to Ashtabula. My grandparents oh, lived over in Jefferson. You know, that's where I'm from, right? Ashtabula. Yes. 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 Um, Originally. And yeah my uh so my grandparents lived out in jefferson and my right grandfather was i used like to a, buy i used to buy my weed in high school from a guy in jefferson oh for real yeah, it seems yeah. like the type of place that yep. you would probably go to absolutely that. yep <laughs> <laughs> so they lived in this little trailer park in jefferson ohio and so my um my grandfather was a diehard steelers fan my grandmother was a diehard buffalo bills fan and i was a browns fan and uh, luckily, when you're up there in Ashtabula, Jefferson, um, the Browns would get picked up over the Steelers for some reason. Um, and so every Sunday I would go out there to watch the games. And I remember most of these games were when Butch Davis was the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ultimately, I feel like at the end of the day with Butch Davis, the Browns were kind of they weren't the worst team, but they weren't the best team. I feel like they were kind of lower tier, uh, like lower middle class almost yeah. like <laughs> like they <laughs> they kind of got over the initial like you know feeling good about coming back to the nfl and they were like ready to get serious like let's let's move up in our tax bracket and absolutely so went from poverty to you know lower middle class um and unfortunately they just floundered there um i still remember watching the playoff game i was eight years old and seeing them blow that lead and then lose that mm, game. It was painful. Um, so, you know, ultimately I, I just feel like the lack of talent and just like floundering and kind of just ultimately like you're spinning your tires in the mud. Yeah. Um, and like how I said earlier with Romeo, like, yeah, there was some stability there, but there was no traction. And yeah, that's fair. 
you know, you had that, you know, almost, I mean, it melted into Romeo Cornell. So you had almost like eight years where it was just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. Butch kind of did himself in for this. Honestly, it's very eerily similar to John Dorsey, even though one's a GM, one's a coach. It was control. And some guys in the NFL, man, these coaches or GMs, they just cannot let go of just the littlest bit of control. And it's like, come on, man. You don't got to do it all by yourself, sucker. Like, come on, get some help, man. You gotta remember who was driving the bus. That's right. <laughs> not All me. Right. Definitely not I. All right, we're at number two. Um, I think we all know who these these this guy is. Um, he for me, he rivals Rob Chudzinski as getting the raw deal of any head coach uh, since '99. Um, he's coming in at number two with 35 points and our number two Browns head coach since 1999 has a 10 and 22 record. That's how good it's been kids. That's how great it's been. Jesus. It is (laughs) the man who where when you're winning sex is better. One of my favorite quotes from him ever love this dude, Mike Pettin. Um, I actually really like Mike Pettin. One, I think he's a really cool dude. I think he's a good family dude, a good dude, just a dude I would love to have a beer with and shoot the shit. Definitely. Like Mike Pettin. I think he, I thought he looked badass with the fucking black shades and the, and the, shades, sto- yep. and the stone cold shaved head. He looked awesome. And the goatee. Yes. I like Mike Pettin. He got a raw deal. Um, big time. <laughs> I mean... He got thrown into the Hoyer and Johnny Manziel circus. And, you know, I will say, though, from what I've heard, Pedden was very instrumental in dra- drafting Justin Gilbert. Uh, that was all. <laughs> it was his guy, him and his DC's guy. Yeah. Yeah. For what? But they never met with him. Never taught. Never. No. no. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, Mike was cool. Um, I wish Mike the best. I hope he gets another head coaching job someday. I, I'm, I bet he will, possibly. We'll see. I don't know. John, we'll start with you Then this one. Mike Pett, man. Yeah, so when you describe him, it almost sounds like a great value Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's what he is, yes. <laughs> um, 2014 uh, season, you know, when he came in, the Browns started off really hot and then they just kind of floundered out. But yep. I ultimately agree with you, Andy. Um, he got a really raw deal and having to deal with Johnny Manziel was a full-time job in itself. Oh Lord. Um, I still remember when like the Hoyer and, and Johnny drama was going on. And then ultimately I think it was management that was like, no, you're going to put Johnny Manziel in. And I think he went, you know, he got, put in against the Bengals and granted the Bengals were still a pretty good team in 2014, 2015. And I remember Johnny just went out there and just looked like a fucking idiot. One. uh, Oh, it was his first career start in the NFL. And it was one of the worst starts I have ever seen from any Browns quarterback. Yes. And I've seen a, we've seen a lot of shitty starts from shitty Browns quarterbacks that takes the cake. I think that too, Petten was plagued by some injuries because I remember, you know, he had Kyle Shanahan call call him plays, and that offense was looking great. And then oh, Alex yeah. Mack, Alex Mack went down, 
and the whole thing just exploded. Yep. And um, you know, I I feel like that move to put Johnny in. Oh, um, to me, that was the killer. That was just kind of like, hey, let's just try to save this season for what it is. I mean, at the time they were like seven and seven. Yep. Well, they were seven and four at one point. Yeah. I think they were seven and four when they made the move. I'm pretty sure. Top of the division. They were pretty yeah, close. Yeah. They had ju- they had just beat Atlanta at Atlanta. They beat I... the Steelers too. Oh um, God! You know they had some really quality wins, uh, and, and it just all fell apart with the injuries and then just the fucking quarterback struggle. Mm-hmm. And you know Ray Farmer <laughs> and the Browns management was just not helping him. And no, you know sometimes you get the elevator and sometimes you get the shaft and. Mike Pettin got the fucking shaft. He did. He did. And I, I will say, I think, I, I don't know if Jimmy, ha- I think if you, if you got Jimmy Haslam alone, private off the record, he'd admit this is when he was meddling a little bit. Um, uh, specifically with, with Manziel and all that. Uh, Nick Pettin. So I want to build off what John said, because, that Bengals game, when Johnny started, uh, I, w- I was at that game. And I don't think I've ever seen Browns fans more upset than that day. Because Johnny went, when, and, and I'm one of them. When Johnny was drafted, I fist pumped. I thought the whole world is changing. Everything is great. And this dude comes into the Browns game and hands off the ball the wrong way and puts on one of the worst offensive performances I've ever seen in person. Oh, it's, it's one of the best – or one of the best. One of the worst quarterback starts I've ever seen in a Browns uniform. I mean that wholeheartedly. It was terrible. I, I've, I've been to games Disaster. along the 0-16 the trail, the, the, the Freddie Kitchens stuff, all of it. I have never seen Browns fans – more upset than when Johnny Manziel comes in and everything implodes. Oh yeah, it, it was it, it could it completely ruined that season. Uh, yeah, I, I hate to put it on one guy's shoulders, but Johnny Manziel's bullshit and drama and and just him being forced on the field yeah. fucking ruined that season, man. Uh, they were but, on track to make the playoffs. <laughs> I, you, you know what? You know what though? You're right, Andy. Because when the Browns are seven and four. I, I and you know what? So I'm gonna so I'm an adult then, and for the first time in my adult life, I really feel like wow, the Brown the Browns have something here. Yeah, Brian Hoyer's doing Mr. Hero commercials. You know, everything is great. Uh, and then and then like like John says, Alex Mack gets hurt, and I'll never forget it. They go down to Jacksonville against the team they should beat, oh. and they just get they can't do anything. Alex yeah. Mack goes down and it all just goes. Yeah. You, good call on you guys on the Alex Mack injury. That did impact that season a lot. I will say too, though, I think Mike I, or Mike, I think Kyle Shanahan deserves as much credit as anyone. Maybe even just as much as Mike Pettin for any success they had that season. Um, I mean, Kyle made Brian Horror look, even fooled me into thinking, man, this might be the guy. <laughs> 
Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius. He truly is, and he's going to continue to be, I think, for years to come, sadly. for But uh, hopefully we get to face him in the Super Bowl someday. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully. Jacob, what's up, man? Mike Pettin. Did you catch? You didn't. Yeah, you didn't ring it because we, we're on to number one after yeah. this, man. And then we got to go so, one more segment. So do you remember why? The game that that uh, the the fans of Johnny, when 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 Hoyer was benched, yes, before Johnny started, it was against, you remember it was against Buffalo, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, where he came in, but, right? Came in release, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And and Buffalo's up what three scores, and Johnny goes out there and leads this touchdown drive. Yeah, he ran one prevent in. defense. Yeah, and ran it in. Yeah. A prevent defense with what? What was there? Seven minutes yeah. left, you know, yeah. whatever yeah. it is. And everybody, everybody goes, Holy shit, we got the guy. We got the spark. Holy. And I'm like, I could have ran that motherfucker in. Are you serious? Like, like they all they were doing was making sure that Johnny didn't score in 30 seconds so yeah. that there was a chance for them to come back. And you're like, oh no, it's okay. It's okay. And the fact that Ray Farmer sent text messages, people don't like to remember that he sent text messages from the motherfucking booth. We'll we'll never know, but it's always been my belief that Jimmy told him to send those messages. I think I, (laughs) I, I do think that those text messages were Jimmy Haslam driven. I do. I will go to my grave thinking that too. And Jimmy, at least he won't tell you, but if yeah. you get him in a private room, do you think Jimmy would admit to you that it was the homeless guy that drafted Johnny Manziel? I, I mean, <laughs> he kind of already has. He's admitted it before. Yeah, I. It, 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 it said, oh God, poor I like Mike. Mike. Poor Mike. He he didn't have a chance. I was at the Johnny Manziel game. Uh, the year they were three and thirteen, and they beat Phil Dawson's San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and we were chanting Johnny, Johnny, John. I remember it, and um, I will never forget that I drank the Kool Aid for exactly two quarters. It's okay. Um, I like Mike. I hope he gets another shot. I was so happy when he caught on in Green Bay the last few years uh, with a pretty good defense. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I hope he gets another shot. Uh, but uh, yeah, I hope he does too. I hope he gets another head coaching job before his career is over. I really do. We said this about Chris Palmer. We said it about Butch Davis. We even said it about Man Genius. Like, there just was never alignment. They were never put in a good no. spot. As oh coaches. no, so, no, and, and, and honestly, a lot of I, I, I kind of feel bad for Ray Farmer too during this fucking. Because he was yeah. just a puppet for Jimmy. Yeah, because he was, he was who, um, he was the assistant GM, and then they just decided to fire. Yeah, um, yeah they showed Lombardi and Banner the door, and he's yes. like. Hey, Ray. Hey, Ray. Come on in. You're next up. And that's how it kind of went. And it yeah. was like right before the draft, you're wasn't up, it? It was yeah. just yes. figure it the Ray, fuck out. Hey, you're up. Your turn, Ray. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how that went. Shout out to that. Did, didn't they draft Joel Batonio, longest tenured Brown? He he did. God. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, Ray did second round, I think so. second round. Yeah, I think I think Ray did get him in the second round. Ray hit on uh, a few. He drafted man, there you go. Kirksey. One hit. Yeah, Kirksey. Sure. He, he drafted a few players. He did. 
Like I, at the end of the day, I think Farmer is a decent Italian evaluator, like a good scout. At the very least, I think Ray Farmer is a very, very good scout. All right, we're moving on to number one with a unanimous 40 points. <laughs> that means all of us pat him as number one is the savior, Lord, <laughs> Lord and Stefanski. Uh, Kevin Stefanski coming at number one, spoiler alert, with 11 and five record, 12 and six counting the playoffs. Yeah, I uh, I don't know about you guys. Last year was fun. Can't wait for next year. Um, give some thoughts on that. Uh, Jacob, we'll go right back to you, bud. So I, if there's one thing that I will thump until, like, I'm very hipster about Kevin Stefanski. I wanted <laughs> Kevin Stefanski the year that we got Freddie. Nice. Like, I wish we would have. I don't know if it would have worked out because of John Dorsey. Like, I, don't know. I don't think we would have gotten it the same as what we did. So it's actually, I think, beneficial that we didn't. Probably. When Stefanski in the same, what about Andrew Barry? And I'm sure you guys would all agree. When Stefanski got up there and he talked, I was like, oh, okay. You're not full of shit. No. Like what you're saying, you believe it. You have a vision. You yep. have a plan to accomplish said vision. Um, he sounds I, like a more polite Bill Belichick in his press conference. <laughs> yeah, because he doesn't give you anything in his press conferences. Nope. Uh, but he didn't say whoopty hell. He was not going to wear a shirt. Nope. He, he, he stripped everything down to the basics, and that's why they kind of sucked week one, but that was offseason and things like yeah. that. But he stripped everything down to the basics, and he put on his players like Baker, uh, DPJ, he put just the right amount. He had this touch. Oh, and that's what B said. They call him Zaddy. Yes. And I, I love, I love it. Yeah, I um, love it I, too. <laughs> I, he's a handsome son those, of a bitch. Shout out. That's what B said. Love those girls. Love those girls. Um, <laughs> I, I love, I love Kevin Stefanski. Um, my wife hates Kevin Stefanski because I love Kevin Stefanski um so much that i talk about him too much and i respect it but uh, i love him that's it that's all. yeah i love him too john man you, the, the legend kevin stefanski i i mean it's it, it's it's pretty evident why he's number one and not only was he number one it was fucking unanimous i mean it's i just can't i know i know we're all in the same boat here we just you know just uh, we want to see more now <laughs> Cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. Um. You know, one thing that just keeps sticking out to me is just work, work, work. Yes. And you can see it. And, like, it rubs off on the players. Like, Sure. And just seeing him around the community and taking photos with fans, like, and showing up to, like, Kareem Hunt's event the other day, and he was there and being supportive. Sure. Um. I, the, un, until I see otherwise, the dude can literally do no wrong. And like, yeah. I'm trying to say that with like, and be cognizant of what could happen, but like, yeah. until I'm proven otherwise, like, no, he's, he's just, he's just got all of his ducks in a row. Yeah. He can have he sex with wrong. my mother and I wouldn't even care. I don't, care. I would probably shake his hand. Like yeah, I would too. <laughs> I hope it was, I hope, I hope it, I hope it had a good time, sir. Thank you. Like, yeah, uh, it's just uh, yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> like, just, uh, I know, you man. Wouldn't, you wouldn't even have to ask. You know she'd have no. a good time. No, absolutely. I mean, come on, yeah. Nick. I, you know, you're what? There's, you're your coach, Nick. This is your coach, buddy. Oh my God, that just just bliss. Bliss is the word I have for you. Um, but there's two there's two points to me here that that stick out to me. Number one, 
every every Browns offensive coach comes in and it's like I'm gonna call my own offense and they fail miserably. Mm-hmm. And and so Kevin says he's gonna call his own offense and I'm nervous. Uh, admittedly, yes. I'm nervous. And he he broke the cycle. He he called. He came in as a rookie head coach because we always get these rookie head coaches that are like. I'm going to be my own offensive coordinator. I'm going to call my own plays. And he's not his own offensive coordinator. But he calls his own plays, and it's the first legitimate offense yep. that I can really think of in my entire life. Since since Kyle Shanahan's, really? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Kyle but, Shanahan, I mean, right? that's really it, yeah. though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, ugh, I know, dude. I know. And, and the final thing is we literally spent – I mean, Freddie Kitchens forgot Nick Chubb existed. Yeah, half the time, and yep. Hugh Jackson just wouldn't wouldn't even play the guy. And and so I, I just you just watched Nick Chubb play, and you just knew he was special. And I could not beg them enough to just play him. And finally, the Browns have a head coach that looks at what the what our strengths are and uses them. Yep. And I couldn't ask for anything more. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me from one year of Kevin is how freaking intelligent the dude is. And to me, you know, some people I think before were like, eh, you know, uh, Ivy league, blah, blah, blah. Like, man, being smart, being smart helps. All right. God damn it. So yeah, I've guys, that was a lot of fun ranking yeah. the Browns head coaches since 1999. What a list that was. What, let me run it down real quick. At number 10, we had Freddie Kitchens. Number nine, Hugh Jackson. Number eight, Pat Shermer. Number seven, Chris Palmer. Number six, Rob Chudzinski. Number five, Eric Mangini. Number four, Romeo Cornell. Number three, Butch Davis. Number two, Mike Pettin. And number one, Kevin Stefanski. All right, guys. It's, we, we went over a little bit, but I knew it would. That'd be a nice talk. I'm going to do one little quick segment right here. I'm going to get you guys out of here after this. This is something I do at the end of the show with all my guests. It's something I call five random ass questions where I just ask you five guys, five random ass things. And and, then you give me some, give me your answers. So since there's three of you here, the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to ask each one of you an individual question that will give us three. And then I'm going to ask the final two questions for all of you to answer. Okay. Number one, I have John, you're first up, buddy. Uh, you're quite the ladies man on Twitter. So I just got to know who is your favorite Twitter crush of all time? Ooh, boy, man, that's a loaded fucking question. I know. And it's probably, I expected 10 answers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like they say, shoot or shoot, right? That's right, baby. Man. You know, if, if we're talking recently, um, big, big shout out to my friend Savannah. Oh, Um, yes. I love Savannah. I followed Savannah on Twitter for years now. She is so great. I love her too. I've known her for a few years and it's so funny the way that I met her. So do you guys remember DG? What the fuck happened to DG? I think he just got, he got sick. He got sick of all our bullshit. I think. (laughs) (laughs) My people, my people, my people. I DG. I hope you're well, my dude, Mr. Gauze. One of my favorite. So much. I know one of my favorite brown's twitter fam of all time <laughs> i know but uh, yeah you know he introduced he's just like he's like listen here motherfucker he's like you're gonna be friends with this person and i'm yeah. like okay and so i was like okay i'll be friends with you and uh yeah we just kind of hit it off and you know she's a really cool chick and you know yeah, she's cool always joking we're like 
come to Cleveland. And I'm like, we'll go to a Browns game together. And she's like, okay. So <laughs> I feel like I just went, I'm sorry. I got distracted by you a little bit, John. I feel like I just went back into a time time machine. Is that a corded phone hanging on your wall? Yeah. So holy shit. So it it came with the apartment. It's okay. Uh, Fair uh, enough. Listen outside when someone oh, my apartment. It's it's connected to buzz someone in. That yeah, makes sense. That makes that's kind of cool. I'm yeah, like, this dude, like, this dude still got a corded phone hanging up mounted on his wall. I love it. <laughs> Sorry, I just got distracted by that. But great answer. Savannah is a great human being. I agree. Jacob, all right, I got a question for you, bud. What's the wildest, most random place you've ever made love? <laughs> Can I do like a top three? <sighs> sure. Sure. Why not? Because this is five random ass questions, and you can give me whatever random answers you would like. Um, to. I lost my virginity in a treehouse. That's cool. <laughs> That's nice. All right, um, nice. And then I, with the same girl, uh, I my first car was a 1989 Oldsmobile Royal 88. Oh, you stud! It, well, so it was an 89. It, I was born in 91, and um, it had climate control power windows power seats i mean this was the pimp mobile back in the in the late 80s it came with a and, lady magnet as well yeah it did didn't it so so fully so loaded then, uh, uh the side of the road in the oldsmobile it had a bucket seat like it or it had a bench seat on the front sure. so you could just put up the armrest and then you just had a couch right there front seat boom so it's treehouse or my 88 on the side of the road I love it, dude. Awesome. I love treehouse. I've never made love in a treehouse. I've Don't made love it. in like a slide, like a tube oh. slide that was like, yeah. like, like, but we were like in the middle of it. So you couldn't see us. Yeah. That was yeah. interesting. But anyway, actually, I think that was on like a school grounds in the middle of the night. Maybe that's illegal. I don't know. But anyway, oh, I don't care. I was 17. <laughs> I was 17. I ain't going to mention the girl. She knows who she is. And we're still friends. I hope you're well, friend, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> She's married with kids and she's doing great. Me, I'm yeah. single, 40, and still trying to figure out my life. Studly. Um, <laughs> Nick. There it is. All right, Nick. Which group of people are in more denial? Steeler fans or people who think Elvis is still alive? Wow. <laughs> who is a more delusional person? A Steeler fan, today's Steeler fan, or people who think Elvis is still alive? Wow. The uh, fact that you even have to right think now. about it is so funny to me. That is so funny to me. You know what? There is nothing quite like a person who thinks a dude that had reconstructive elbow surgery <laughs> and is approaching 40 years old is going to lead them to the promised land after they just watched him throw four interceptions and, and, be the closest person to the ball and just be like, nah, nah, no, I'm, I'm cool. good. The, the most important game of the season is like, nah, yeah, totally, you know, no big deal. He, that guy, revenge tour, bro, revenge. I love revenge. It. It's coming. Oh. So, you know what? You know what? Elvis is out there, my guy. <laughs> I love 
love it. I love that is one thing. This this is one con and I look, Steeler fan, I get it. It's hard, it's hard to accept. I would be the same way, probably, because I'm stubborn. I understand yeah. you've dominated us for 20 years. You've dominated the Browns for 20 years, but the writing is on the wall. It really is. And I just hope that your transition into grasping the that reality i hope it's a smooth one and i i wish you nothing but the best during these very trying times tj watt is so dominant that he recorded all of zero sacks against two practice squad guards this is true boom just saying tweet it out all right guys number four (laughs) we got we got two more here and we'll get you out of here i'll get an answer from from all you on this one just pretty simple one I like this because I like to ask this question because one uh, it might help might help a business or two in Cleveland. Uh, favorite spood uh, spood. Oh my God, Did you guys, tell I didn't go to school for communications. Favorite food spot in Cleveland, and what would that be? Favorite food spot. Favorite favorite spot to grab some grub. Nick. Wow. Uh, so- Gotta be one. Just give me one. Okay, you got it. I'm a, I'm a sucker for Mexican, Ooh. and and Ooh. yeah, I'll tell you what. And and I know it's kind of stereotypical, but but Barrio Barrio takes me to heaven. They it got great tacos. I've seen people on Twitter going, eh, "It's overrated." I'm thinking I've actually had Barrio twice. It's fucking delicious. <laughs> I love it. I I could go there. You know what? And 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 my my uh, girlfriend Avita is listening to me right now. She won't let me. But if I could, I would go where we go out to eat once a week. I would go to Barrio every week. I love it. I, would. I, I would. love it. John, give me a food spot. Man, if I had to choose one spot in Cleveland to go out to eat to, it would probably be Melt. Like anytime I go to Melt, like, Melt. I'm going to yeah. leave full. I love the Monte Cristo and like so the berry sauce. Oh my it's God. Delicious. It's um, ridiculous. And, and you know they they do offer discounts for food service workers too. That's so, you know, cool. Do they? Yeah, yeah. So if you're a food service worker, uh, I believe if you just show some form of like employment or identification, yeah, you're gonna get like a little portion of your meal for uh, discounted. So that's cool. But yeah, hell yeah. Um, yeah, oh, melts delicious. Amazing. It really is because. What they do there is very gore. I mean, it's just grilled cheese sandwiches, but the 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 style and the gourmet way that they do it, it's incredible, man. It's really yeah. great stuff. Great choice. I recommend both of the two that you just recommended. Or when someone asks me if I'm in Cleveland, what should I eat? Those are two places I would name. Seriously, no bullshit. Barrio and Barrio and fucking melt. Jacob, favorite food spot. So I'm a pizza in Cleveland guy. pizza. Oh, give me a good pizza. Cleveland joint. I, I'm a good pizza guy. Like Cleveland's got good pizza. It like, does. I've, I've only been to like, uh, like three or four. So I live in Athens. So like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very not as big on the, on, on the Cleveland food scene, except for when I go to games. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, I, the day that Baker Mayfield ends up making his debut, um, we went downtown, it, I like New York style pizza. Sure. Same. And, 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 oh God. And I know I can't pronounce it. Is it Capri? Capri's? Capri? Let's Google it. Am I Let's... saying that right? Google it here. Capri, like, no. I'm trying to. Capri, I've never had this pizza. Pizza Cleveland. It's like, 
it's it's the it's the big you know the big yeah, slices Capri, that you it's fold Capri, over. Capri's or Capri or Capri. Oh, I see it. Oh God, it does look good. Yeah, like and, and it's it, like those big like fold over pieces. They're yes, thin and long. <laughs> yes, and like, very New York okay. style. I'm I'm looking at a photo yeah. right now. It looks great. God, I don't I'm know so how hungry. we got there. I don't know how we got there, but like we ended up in Capri, oh. and uh, it, looks like there's one in Middleburg Town Square. Mm-hmm. On Bagley Road. Yeah. Shout out to Middleburg Heights. Absolutely. Holy yeah. shit. So yeah, it's a good one. I'm with you, dude. I love pizza too, especially New York. I'd style. eat it every day. Absolutely, man. All right. Last question. This is we're gonna keep the ranking themes going. I want to get I want you each of you guys to rank these former Browns general managers worst to best. Um, I have Tom Heckert, Phil Savage, and John Dorsey. John, we'll start with you. Tom Heckert, Phil Savage, and John Dorsey. In my opinion, actually, three pretty good general, decent general managers. I've always, when I ask this type of question, it's always been the shitty ones. But these are actually three of the better, I would say. I would say. Um, I would say number one, John Dorsey. Yep. I just think he had a really great knack for um, talent. He does. Uh, You uh, built your whole offense that you have right now, essentially. Total football guy. Not afraid to make a splash move. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, just just great guy, just just didn't work well with with no. other people, unfortunately. Okay. Uh two, I would probably go with Phil Savage. Um yeah. again, I, I think that there was a lot of stability and stuff like that with his regime. Um, but again, like just just not hitting on the draft picks. No. Um, just the lack of talent and, and ultimately like his leadership style reflected onto the entire organization. And, sure. It just got really nasty. It did. Um, and then finally, Tom Hecker. Yeah. Fucking miserable. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's too bad. I, man, that's too bad he passed too, man. That That's unfortunate. That really sucks. Because yeah. I always, I don't know. I, I think Tom, I think Tom was a decent talent evaluator. I really do. Um, it didn't fully work out. I mean, he, he did draft. He drafted Hayden, right? He drafted yeah. Joe Hayden um that was a pretty good pick it was a pretty good pick and jordan cameron even though he didn't have a long career that was a pretty good pick um so i mean he got some talent it's hard to hit you can't hit on every pick but all right nick rank dorsey savage heckert you know what I i gotta give dorsey number one because anybody who's picking baker mayfield and nick chubb (laughs) <laughs> you know what i wish he played well with others because yep. imagine that guy who has yep. that much smarts combining with analytics i'm just saying I, I know it's a shame i mean people can say what they want about john dorsey but the fact of the matter is the guy is actually a hell of a talent evaluator it, yeah. it, it it's a fact it, whether you yeah. want him to get fired or you don't you at least admit the guy can evaluate talent and if i'm not mistaken um tom hackert also picked uh mitchell schwartz who still is great i want to say you're actually right about that i think let me double check but uh, still still upset you know i mean obviously obviously it worked out you know because the browns have the number one offensive line in football but they had no business losing mitchell schwartz who was quite fantastic at the time um and so so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it to him i'm gonna give it to him I like it, dude. I'm gonna he also drafted uh, TJ Ward and Josh Gordon. Wow. There wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there you go. 
Uh, I'm and- telling you, man, Tom, Tom, Tom Hackert was I'm telling you guys, he was a pretty decent talent evaluator. I just think it just so happened he was fucking Mike under, Holman. Uh, under yeah. that yeah. shitty regi- yeah. regime, man. Uh, and then and then you know what? Well, uh, last thing, you know what? You take uh, Travis Benjamin in the fourth round, who who yeah. made a career out of the NFL. Absolutely. Uh, he, what more could you ask for a fourth round for, pick? For, for a fourth round pick, that is a hit. That is. Yeah, that's, that's not it. a miss. Well, one hundred. You're no. You're. That's a good point too, man. Um. And so, so then I guess finally, then I have to say, I have to say Phil Savage because yep. you know just evaluating by picks. Yeah. I think Phil Savage probably comes in the, at the weakest. Yeah. He he hit like it's weird. Like hit two of his big picks were uh or one of one of his big picks was Braylon Edwards. Actually I think it was his very first pick as Brown's GM if I'm remembering correctly. Again, it's all one big freaking blur guys. Um but I mean that guy, you know, we all know what happened to Braylon, you know, but his first few years in the league was, you know, yeah, pretty damn good. I don't know what the hell happened to him. How about you, uh Jacob, take us out of here. We'll end it with this. Rank those uh rank those three for me. So Dorsey's number one. The thing I'll say about Dorsey is Dorsey, hell of a talent evaluator, can't build a team. I yeah. think that's a good statement. That's a good way to put it. Like he was like, I'm gonna get you all these weapons, but like fuck your offensive line. Yeah. Like it, it, and it's like, you know, I like John Dorsey. They wanted him to take kind of the role he took in Detroit. Sure. Uh, which, which I understand him not wanting to take it on the team that he had been the boss of the last two years. I don't yeah. blame him. Uh, he, I think he made a lot of great picks, but he also gave us things like Chad Thomas in the third round who shouldn't sure. have even been drafted. Dorsey, I mean, it's, it's like you guys have said, we talked about it all night long. Dorsey had an ego thing, a power yeah. thing. And, yeah. and it just, it's, it's about control with him. He just couldn't, he couldn't give up any of it. <laughs> well, and that's why he hired Freddie and not, Kevin, you're a hundred percent. Yeah. That's where we were. Um, I love Heckert. I really do. Uh, yeah. It, you get, you get a situation where Holmgren was just collecting a check. He should have just coached truth. Be truthfully be told. I think Holmgren should have just coached. Agreed. Um, I, then you got, uh, you know, Joe Banner comes in and gets rid of him, but like, I mean, Nick just said it. I mean, you look at Joe Hayden and TJ Ward, that was the same draft. And I mean, he even brought Colt McCoy in. I mean, it was Joe Hayden one, uh, two, second round was TJ Ward and he brought Hayden in and then a couple rounds, or I'm sorry, uh, Colt McCoy in yes. a couple rounds later, he brings in Jordan Cameron, who, I mean, concussion. That's a great draft. A bitch. It was. That's, yeah. that's a great draft. And, and Phil Savage, I mean, once again, the dude just didn't draft Val, just did not value draft picks. And that's just the way you build a team, especially a team that's in a rebuild when you take over. Sure. hundred percent. And he was just like, he didn't have a first, he, he got rid of his first round pick. That was Brady Quinn. Uh, he, to, to the Cowboys. Then he got rid of the second round pick for Corey Williams. He got rid of the third round pick for John Rogers. Their first pick was on the fourth round. Like, yeah. I mean, of a team that won, what the prior year to that they you know they won six games mm-hmm. five games something like yeah. that wherever that's it, it's all somewhere between four and six Dude, i don't know what the it, hell it is. it's all blurred doing this conversation this rankings tonight really made me realize of how blurry it really truly is a lot of it and 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 that leads me to this people say we suck on twitter right now as brown's twitter 
but go ahead and listen to what we just talked to you guys for the last two hours about yeah. what the last 20 fucking years have been <laughs> and try to think about how you would be seriously oh, yeah. oh, I, man. I agree. i'm insufferable but it's justified shit man dudes that was so much fun thank you guys john nick jacob thank you guys so much for uh for just hanging out with me and especially i only gave you guys a few days notice so I, I appreciate you coming on with me um let's use this real quick and we'll get out of here we'll use this to tell the fine folks and listeners where they can find you guys i will put some links in the description guys i'll put it like john's twitter i'll maybe put uh the barking brown shows youtube and then their twitters as well for nick and jacob uh john far away man uh where can we find you what do you got going on man uh yeah for sure uh if you want to you know just drop a follow or if you're already following um at john hillberry on twitter um you know if you're a big fan of humor and memes and you know <laughs> how andy describes satire uh yeah you know join you know give me a follow and, and you know hopefully i can give you a laugh or two yeah absolutely man i appreciate you john you're the man dude uh jacob nick you guys take it where can we find your podcast the barking brown show your twitters all that good stuff yeah so um i'm at roachism 13 on twitter um the our show is on always pin the newest episodes always pinned to the top of nick's uh profile we go live tuesdays at eight on twitter and on youtube uh at the barking brown show uh we're now on spotify and Radiohead. i think yeah is what it's called sure uh we're waiting to be approved on apple podcast but there's the audio only version so you don't have to look at me all night um i have a new segment coming out called dad joke thursdays so <laughs> like, i love that i'm a that, i'm a sucker for dad jokes follow me <laughs> <laughs> and where, um, where can we follow you nick uh so i'm at carnsey's 817 i know it's kind of an awkward awkward name but you know carnsey i love I, it. I love it, it i created it in 2012 before i knew anything was going to happen and and you know what i like to say this but john's actually here today so i, I would like to say it real quick uh, when I joined Brown's Twitter as, as a protected account back in the day, um, I found John really early on. And I realized that, that, you know, like regular fans could, could, you know, really interact and build from, from Twitter. Sure. And so John, John, John is, is, and he didn't know it at the time because it was just a protected account, but John is, was like the inspiration behind me unlocking my account and, and interacting with Brown's Twitter. It's true. I swear to God. I, just, I saw I saw a normal person just just being on Brown's Twitter and and making uh, a positive impact, and I was like, I want to do that. And so and John and you did that for me, John. So I appreciate you. Well, appreciate you, man. Dude, that's awesome. John's out here changing men's life and 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 dropping women to their knees, man. I can't with this dude. Anyway, I love all you you beautiful beautiful fools, uh, John. Jacob, Nick, thank you so much for listening or for listening. Thank you so much for coming on with me. I appreciate it. And uh, shout out to all the listeners. Uh, I don't know when next episode, next week's episode is going to drop. It's all going to depend on if the announcement is an announcement and I can announce it and talk about it. So um, if you don't see an episode on like by Tuesday or Wednesday, Check out the Twitter at not same Browns or my Twitter at Andy Lytle. Uh, or what was or no Andy Cleves underscore? I don't even know my freaking own Twitter. Andy Cleves underscore, 
uh, or not same Browns. Uh, in the pin tweet there, I'm sure you can find an announcement of what's going on when the episode's coming. But we will drop an episode next week. I'm not sure when it's going to drop. It'll drop somewhere between Tuesday and Friday, I'll say. So, um, but I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks again to John, Nick, Jacob. You guys rock. Check out the Barking Brown show, guys. Uh, I'll put all the links in the description for all their Twitters and their shows and whatever else they got going on. Until next time, guys. Love you all. Thanks for listening. Go Browns, baby. Hoo, 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 hoo.